0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. She grew up playing for the Halton Hurricanes where she's a provincial and national champion. She currently plays for Trenton University. Please welcome to the show Elizabeth Turner. Liz, thanks for doing this.
1: Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, excited to be
0: here. So take it from the top here, growing up uh, in Halton, to me that's the wild, wild west literally of volleyball in the OVA where Halton's really good. Defense is really good. Like, it feels like there's a lot of clubs in driving distance. Uh, Lakeside was good for a while. Oakville's got teams. Like, it seems like there's a club every 20 minutes that you can probably just, like, there's got to be a club on every corner in that community. So I'm wondering, were you always playing volleyball as a kid? or Were you playing other sports before you learned what, like, club volleyball was?
1: Um. So, I mean, I didn't play. I didn't grow up with Halton. I initially started playing volleyball um, with EVP. And then, so I played from there. Uh, from 13U to 16U and then switched to Pac-Man for my 17U year during COVID and then for my 18U year I played down on the 17U team at Halton.
0: Thank you I I did not mention Pac-Man so I'm probably going to get some comments for that and EVP was your start. Uh, It seems like the people who run EVP love volleyball like there's beach programs there's indoor programs like were they just uh, around a gym by you like how did you hear about them to make that your start?
1: Honestly, I can't even remember. I know that I did development leagues, I think, because it was pretty close to me, um, because I live in Oakville, so it was a pretty close team that I'd heard about, and my mom signed me up for development leagues, and then uh, my coach in that invited me to come to the rep triads, and I just kind of got involved that way.
0: And with the clubs being so much proximity, like when you did choose to switch clubs or make a change, what went into that decision? Like, were you and your friends talking? Were you talking to athletes from other teams of people you played with or high school against? Like what led to a decision? Because like I said, there's so many options in your community.
1: Yeah, honestly, I think it was kind of a combination of just wanting to becoming more interested in the possibility of playing in university and wanting to hopefully transition to a team that had higher skill level um, and players with similar mindsets. Um, Also, I played at Garth Webb, so I had a couple of girls on my team who played for Halton at the time, and just listening to them talk about it and like the higher level of Premier Volleyball, it seemed really interesting to me, and I just wanted to kind of give it a shot. And it ended up working out, so I'm really happy about that.
0: Uh, and thanks to a friend of the show who gave me some intel they were saying they're they're pretty jealous of your upbringing so obviously you're playing volleyball at a competitive level but uh every time they talk to you they find out you traveled to a different spot they're claiming that you've basically traveled the world so as a young athlete so uh, i'm curious with your family and your parents did volleyball ever interfere with that or like traveling was important to you guys and you were going to work around because uh, i feel like when you're playing for Pac-Man or Halton like you're volleyball 8 or 9 months of the year right
1: yeah, no. So the travel that I'm assuming that they're talking about um, was actually in grade five. My parents are both high school teachers, and so they took myself and my brother out of school for the year. And uh, yeah, we traveled for eleven months. They took a sabbatical, and we just that was something they'd been planning for years. So I wasn't playing volleyball at that point. Um, I started volleyball in grade six after that trip. So.
0: No, and how old's your brother?
1: He is now sixteen.
0: Oh, so you're both good for your parents for taking two young kids on the road. Uh, What do you remember from that trip?
1: I mean, honestly, I am lucky enough that I remember most of it. Um, A lot of just crazy different places. Um, My favorite country. I loved Australia and Thailand. Um, But yeah, it was just overall like I got to do so many cool things. And the funniest thing that I remember was before I left, um, a lot of my classmates would say, well, you're going to miss out on all the field trips, which, of course, I kind of laughed about because... I knew that I was going to all these crazy places
0: yeah I don't think they could catch up with field trips the amount of traveling you did I think you said you were on the road for like 11 months
1: yeah yeah we left beginning of September and came back middle of July
0: that's wild Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned wanting to play university like post-secondary was going to be a thing so when you started taking club a little bit more serious or looking for a bigger club were you thinking, I want to go to the U.S.? I want to leave the province. I want to stay in province. Like what were some of the things you started to consider when you're like, yeah, I want to play volleyball at the next level.
1: I mean, honestly, I, I mean, I had a pretty late start to the whole idea of the possibility of playing in university. Um, so I really didn't know what I wanted for a while. All I kind of could base what I wanted or what I thought I wanted on was what my friends were doing. Um, So at the time, I had a number of friends who were talking with schools in the States or schools in Canada, and I hadn't even started my process yet. So I really didn't know exactly where I wanted to play. I also had no idea what school I wanted to go to, if I wanted to go out of province. So it's kind of just a bunch of different factors um, and just trial and error, I guess, of reaching out to different coaches. and, And eventually Trent worked out, and I was super happy about that. But from grade 11 on, I didn't really know exactly where I wanted to be.
0: And a, a club the size of Halton and with their experience of, of getting athletes to the next level, is there anything they do in-house to be supportive or are you kind of on your own or like they, they, they show you this is how you email a coach or we're going to this tournament, you should tell them what court we're going to be on at what time. Like, Was there any guidance you received through the club system?
1: Yeah, I would say definitely um, my last year of Halton, it was made a bit easier for sure um, because I just had a lot of connections and different people that they knew in both the OUA and OVA. Um, But yeah, I would say one of the things that helped the most was just having a coach that would be able to reach out uh, to different university coaches. So my coach was Mike Onging last year and uh, was actually, I believe now, the assistant coach at Brock. Um, But yeah, so he would just constantly like send things out to coaches, reach out, ask if if they were interested. And of course it was kind of difficult because I was on a 17 U team in grade 12, um, but I would say my process was a bit different than others considering I got such a late start, but given that, I think, um, uh, my coaches were definitely very helpful.
0: Yeah. Just for some listeners who might be outside of the OVA and not familiar with that rule. Do you mind just explaining that how they're like, Oh, you, you played down. Is that because of, uh, a later birthday or because, uh, the, the trip you obviously took in the fifth grade, like what set you up that you were, uh, graduating high school with playing 17 U?
1: Oh, yeah, no, for sure. So um, I still was in grade 12 when I played 17U. My birthday's just in September. So because of the age, I guess, that you're allowed to play if your birthday's past a certain point. Um, and so I was allowed to play 17U while I was in grade 12, just because I hadn't turned 18 before that deadline.
0: Right, right. The length of season, everything like that. Nice. I'm sure we could get into the weeds about like, if you're born at the start of the year, versus the late of the year in, in athlete development, but uh, not not an expert in that field. So we'll keep it moving. But uh, as you started to narrow down your school choice, uh, what drew you to Trent? Like when you wanted to stay in Ontario, and then you decided on on maybe two or three schools, like what, was, uh, what made Trent the winner?
1: Yeah, so honestly, for a while, I was debating, I was talking to Um, a school out east, uh, Acadia. I was talking to for a little bit, Guelph as well. Um, But I really liked Trent. It was a small school. Um, They had a program, honestly, that I was really interested in. And just at the time, um, it was getting late in the season and they offered me a spot. And I thought, you know what, I might as well take it because I don't really know what else is 100% guaranteed. And I really liked Becky, especially as a coach. She was the one that did my tour and um, that I chatted with the most during the process. And so, yeah, I just immediately felt like, okay, I like it here. Sure. Let's
0: give it a go. I guess. Nice. So like you said, uh smaller school, they have the program of choice you wanted to study. Was there anything appealing that you're leaving a top level club team and you felt like you could play away, uh, play right away, excuse me. Like what was that on your list of priorities or was it really, I want to be comfortable at school. I want to get into this course and, and volleyball will take care of itself.
1: I mean, yeah, I think definitely, I won't lie. I don't think I have the skill to be able to play at a school like Queens or Brock. And so Trent was a fantastic way for me to go into the OUA and have that possibility of playing. And in my first year, I ended up actually playing a lot. And I got really good experience as a rookie, which I know at a higher level school, especially for someone of my skill, I probably would never have gotten the chance to do. Like I got to play against girls on the national team at Western or... Windsor or any of these really, really competitive schools, um, where I probably wouldn't have gotten that opportunity had I gone somewhere else.
0: Yeah. And just to wrap up your Halton experience. So when you play for a club like that, is it, uh, explicitly said, we're going to win provincials, we're going to win nationals. Like, is that the goal of the club? Like when you think back to that year, uh, Are they more uh, process driven? Are they more outcome driven? Like what was maybe some of those talks when you're, you're going through the tryout window and you commit to Halton? Is it like, do you know what you're signing up for? Is that really the goal or do they make it pretty clear?
1: I would say, yeah, they definitely make it pretty clear. Um, One thing that I ended up being pretty, I guess saying I was lucky about it. Sounds bad, but um, one of, there was only other one other middle on the team at the time because um, Bella Tarani had gone out to train with National Excellence Program. And so it was, I was basically put into a situation where I played every game. Um, and so especially that first half of the season was huge on development because um, we didn't go to that many tournaments before the Christmas break. Um, and so I would say that, that was when more of the process-driven stuff was. And then afterwards, it was more definitely um, geared towards winning those tournaments, and which obviously we did succeed with quite a bit.
0: What's that like at training? I, I've coached a club team once and we had two middles, but it was a COVID year. So obviously we, we managed them in training and competition didn't become an issue because I don't I don't think we actually got to play that year. It was interrupted so much. But uh, I, I am curious with a coach maybe who likes like game style drills or wants you jumping and attacking, like how do you prepare for that? Because you might jump... 150 times of practice, maybe if if I'm being realistic and maybe, uh, obviously you have school practices, you have other sports, maybe you're playing at school. Like how did you just manage the training volume? Because, uh, yeah, most coaches I think would maybe like three or four middles in the gym. So having two and just knowing you're in every drill must be fun, but it's gotta be fatiguing at a certain point too, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. I would say it was definitely tiring. Um, but I think they did a good job, especially when there was just the two of us, of uh, you know, letting us have a little bit longer breaks or, kind of balancing it out with all the outsides um so that we didn't get as burnt out because I never found that I was obviously it's tiring but I didn't feel like I was being like my body was taking too much of a hit from jumping so much um also just working out outside of the gym helps obviously as everybody knows um but yeah no I thought it was still pretty good um there was a good balance I would say of technical stuff and then also game drills during our practices I quite liked the layout that they had
0: Nice. And you mentioned the other middle was an NEP athlete and they probably returned to the squad in January. And that gave gave you three medals for kind of that, that peak competition stretch.
1: Yeah. So once Bella came back, we had myself, Ella, and then Bella Tarani as well. And so obviously they're both phenomenal players. Um, They're both committed. Well, Bella just finished her first year at uh, Notre Dame down in the States. And then Ella I knew was committed to go to Pepperdine Um, which is super exciting for both of them. I'm so happy for them. Um, But yeah, so it was kind of neat. I mean, obviously I'm only five ten, and both of them were six, three and fantastic players. So I was happy. Um, They got plenty of playing time and they both killed it. Um, But it was really nice to just get to train in such a positive environment because honestly, a lot of people sometimes will say things about Halton, but I kind of got lucky with my team. I was friends with everybody. I had a really positive experience. Um, And never felt, like, outshined, I guess, by the other two, um, which was really nice. They were both very, very friendly, and I'm still friends with them,
0: so. Yeah, that's amazing, and it's just funny that 5'10 is no longer considered tall, that 6'3 is becoming slightly more common. I think it's still still special when it happens, but you had two on your own squad, right? Oh, yeah so you you win provincials awesome great goal and then going into nationals there's teams who face a little bit of a letdown or it's actually it's really hard to win both i think it's hard to medal at both even so going into nationals uh was your nationals who hosted that year was it the same message where you guys were just going to go in and, and just battle and compete or was it trying to get that banner again like what was the the mood going into Nats that year
1: honestly i think everybody was pretty happy about provincials and but we just kind of had the idea of like we might as well go in and try and win Nationals too, because it was funny, during Nationals, we played a majority of teams from Ontario still. um, I know the top five, out of the top five finishers at Nationals, only one was from BC, and they were the team that we beat in the finals. I believe the rest were, I think, NBC, Defensa, and I can't remember the fifth. Might have been out of province, but still a huge Number of teams from Ontario in the in the top rankings, which is pretty neat.
0: If you had to remember provincials, who was your quarter, semi, and final?
1: Our quarter was, I think it was Etobicoke Titans, and then our semi was NBC, which was kind of a funny story because we had a bit of a little rivalry the entire year, and we ended up playing them in the semis at both provincials and nationals. Um, but I know that NBC, that team went on this year to win 18 new nationals against my old Halton team, which was kind of a funny little coincidence to see that they're both very much competitive teams and, uh, both doing very, very well.
0: Yeah, it's funny how it works out that way because the OVA has so many good uh, women's teams. But you're right. These rivalries happen where you just see the same team over and over. It feels like that no matter how the draw works out, it seems like you're always on this crash course. So uh, when you go to Nationals, it's kind of like, oh, like I was kind of excited to see other teams. Or do you get excited just because it's like, we know we're going to get a good one. We can't lose to these guys. I don't like like I'm I'm not losing to this team. We have to win this one.
1: Yeah, no, I think it was cool because we did obviously get to see some of the teams from, you know, Canada West and all the other areas of the country. But when we did see that we were lined up against, you know, defense, uh, NBC, it was kind of cool because, you know, you've got that rivalry going on and you it makes it almost more competitive, I found. Um, and just that drive to win, maybe it's that's a little toxic, but the drive to beat those teams is always there. And it's a little bit stronger when it's a team that you've got a rivalry against. I can imagine same thing in the OUA, right? Like all the top teams definitely have their competitors, and it's a bit of friendly competition. Sometimes not so friendly.
0: <laughs> exactly. So you you leave a pretty special situation, in Halton. And as you mentioned, uh, you're you're a twelfth grader playing seventeen U, but now you go to university and you're a true first year. So what was that experience like? Was there did it feel different trying to fit into a team because now you're not with peers? You might be with athletes who are heck with COVID, there might be four or five years ahead of you sometimes with the, with the pause there with their their degrees there. So uh, I'm curious, what was your first impression just getting to know the squad at Trend and having to deal with the the age gap there?
1: Yeah, so that's the funny thing is that there really wasn't much of an age gap. Um, my team last year only had like our highest years for third years. Um, wow. We didn't have any graduates last year. We had one, but she ended up not being able to continue playing. Um, and so our team last year was – We had four first years, I believe six second years, and four third years. So yeah, there really wasn't much of an age divide. Um, And honestly, I didn't, I don't know if this is a common experience, but I didn't feel too nervous going into it. Um, I think especially because there weren't as many upper years, I felt much better about going into a younger team, because I knew that I would hopefully be able to have a positive impact um also i knew that the other rookies that were going in were also very very skilled and coming from pretty high level competitive clubs so i knew that i mean the four of us going in would hopefully be able to contribute positive things to the team which i know for a fact that we did and i had a blast because all four of us got plenty of playing time it's about, especially around the end of the season so
0: yeah it's interesting when you look back at that year because uh checking some box scores I don't think you started the first match of the year, but then I think you rode the wave and played like a pretty good stretch there. So uh, obviously you come in, you want to be a good learner, you want to contribute, but uh, when your name gets called that second game, like what are your thoughts? Are you thinking like, yes, I'm a starter? Are you thinking like, oh, I got my number called, like this is my chance now? Or do you feel like it was your spot?
1: So I'll actually tell you a bit about before that. So in October, I had sprained my ankle and it was really bad. I tore a small ligament, like it was full. I was out of out of practice for probably about two weeks. I mean, not that bad, but still bad enough. I was wearing boot. And so for me, I didn't play the first game at Windsor, but then luckily my coach put me on the second game and I was so happy because I had been out of out of game for a while. And so that first game was so nerve wracking. I remember playing the Windsor Gym is an experience on its own. Um, it is a stunning facility. They've got such a great gym in there. Um, but I remember just running onto the court, going straight up to the net, of course, because some middles do. And just seeing right behind the net the massive TV screen and my face on it um, that caught me off guard a little bit with all the instant replays and stuff. Um, but no, I would say definitely an exciting time. And, uh, yeah, I'm really happy because I got tons of experience as a first year and felt like I did a decent job, especially considering that I was a rookie.
0: Now, they do list you as an outside and a middle. I'm curious, uh, how much outside did you get to play or do you feel like most of last season you were like a middle?
1: I was definitely a middle. Um, I think, honestly, that might have been an error um, on the roster sheet because I think I played maybe – a little bit of right side. And then I think I went in for one rotation as the left side. Um, but I believe it might've been an error or Beck had recruited me as possibly outside middle, I'd middle because I've played kind of all of both the pins and middle. Um, but I guess this year, the way that I think bell middle was my main position.
0: And I'm wondering how you, uh, you face the challenge of you're you're coming in as a first year, you're contributing, you're, you're, Uh, eventually a starter early on in that first semester but uh looking at the results uh, i mean there's no real way to sugarcoat this you probably lost more this year than you did your whole club career like it just looks like uh it it was tough going there i mean the team was 2 and 18 but uh looking how the season progressed and maybe you you take a set here or obviously you get a couple of wins late in the season like how did you personally deal with that that like yes it's a learning experience and maybe you knew it was going to be hard but did you know it was going to be like this hard right in your first year
1: Yeah. Honestly, like for me personally, I'm not speaking on behalf of the whole team. I saw it as, you know what, this is a way for me to get experience playing, right? I'm in my first year and I'm having to go up against, you know, Grace, who's a sixth year middle blocker. I view that as, okay, sick. I get to go play against this phenomenal player. And like other national team players and super, super talented people, um, As a rookie, I'm getting floor time and getting to play against people who have been in university playing for a long time. So that's, I think, how I kept myself motivated was the fact of like, okay, I'm on a team that is not going to make the playoffs this year at all. Right. We lost almost every game, but I tried to spin it and turn it into, you know what, this is just experience. This is my first year. There's still three or four more to go.
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely a great attitude. And and I'm curious, what's the mood at practice? Like, do coaches keep showing up and obviously they're prepared and trying to bring energy? Like, do the the players still excited to learn? Because you you did mention that the the team was pretty young. Like, I'm actually excited for you that you didn't have to sit through a grad game because there was teams who graduated like eight players this year thanks to the uh, COVID pause where you guys were all young. So did it feel like if the core stays together and you guys stay dialed that uh, this is just year one and this will figure itself out as you guys continue to get experience and develop?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm really excited. Um, I think last year it was neat for me to have kind of a core group of second years that's pretty strong. Um, like my setter, Isabel Pellerin, she's phenomenal. She played in the States for a bit and then she played in Nova Scotia. Like she's played at the US level, which is way higher than a lot of what people have experienced in Canada. Um, and she's only second year. I'm so, yeah, I'm very excited just to see what we can do, hopefully. We've got two new recruits coming in, both fantastic players. Um, We've got Kat and Emma coming in. Kat played for Durham and Emma played for Rapids. And I'm really excited to see what they can do. And I think just to build that kind of new core group, which can hopefully, within a couple of years, do some, some fun things.
0: And I am curious, how does your squad kind of gel a little bit? Because obviously every team has turnover and there's going to be new people coming in. But uh, one thing I find unique about Trent is switching from a CCAA school to a U-sports school. Uh, and not only that, that you could now be in a U-sports, I think that opens up recruiting a little bit more, where like you said, you have a Halifax athlete. I think you have a couple of BC ones where... Um, how, how do you make sure that everybody's connecting that the out of province athletes feel welcome and they feel like at home and even the ones who are from Ontario. I mean, you guys stretch from, uh, I think Ottawa to all these other different zones and you do have a few uh, local Peterborough athletes on the team, but uh, how do you make sure everybody's like vibing and getting to know each other? Because, uh, it doesn't look like there's too many connections on your squad. If we trace back like everyone's origin story here,
1: there are very few. Um, I would say the only one that I really have is with Maddie Um, We played against each other growing up the whole time. But, you know, Nicole, uh, one of the other rookies last year, she's from Alberta. She was my roommate. Uh, We ended up living in the same room together in res. Um, But honestly, I think just learning more about people and their own stories, right? I think that's important, um, especially for athletes who are out of province, getting to learn their bras and their their whole experience, especially what it was like trying to get recruited or just – even why they decided to go to Trent um, when recruiting wasn't really happening. Because I mean, a couple of years ago, there really wasn't much of a recruiting process at Trent. It was kind of, it was very, very small school it had just gotten introduced into the OUA. And so, um, yeah, I think just trying to understand people's stories and learn more about them outside of volleyball definitely helps.
0: And you guys had to deal with uh, another tough distraction. So, I mean, the results are what they are, but you're a high-performance athlete and you guys are plugging away and trying to win. But uh, coach has to step away and then uh, Rebecca steps in and gets the first chair. Uh, how did the team respond to that? Because uh, it, maybe it can be energizing to kind of get like a little bit of a change of guard, but also it can be distraction being like, oh, the person we just were working so hard with now isn't a part of the squad. And, I, and there are reasons people have to step aside, but in the middle of the season, it, it has to be a distraction that everyone's aware of and deals with, right?
1: No, for sure. And honestly, from my perspective, and I know a lot of my teammates share the same perspective, I think for us, when we came back in January, it was like there was this sense of, okay, almost more motivation. Um, because say this as kindly as I can, but from the beginning of the season, Beck has always done so much work. She grinds, she gets so much done. She does so much to prepare for all of our games. And I think sometimes we didn't feel that same energy and commitment from our old head coach. And so I think everybody on my team was super, super excited about what she was going to do. And she gladly stepped into the role. And I think she did a fantastic job considering the circumstances and, you know, kind of how abrupt that exit was. Um, I think she did a fantastic job and I'm really pleased with, that. And I'm really happy that she's staying as her assistant coach. Um, yeah, there was this kind of energized feel when we entered second semester
0: for sure. And how special was it for you guys? Uh, when you did, uh, get those, those wins against RMC, it was with coach Beck in the first chair. Like, was that extra energizing that like it, it, I, she would never make it uh, about herself. And I'm sure if she's listening, she's like, Josh, don't ask this, but like, how cool was it to get her, her first OUA win?
1: Oh, it was amazing. Like, I was super happy because you could just see the obvious joy and pride that she had. Like, when we got back to the change room, or I think it was some boardroom um, at RMC, she was so proud. Like, she was just so, so excited. Um, And I think everybody had this sense of pride almost for her in the fact that, you know, she was kind of dealt an iffy situation and she did a really good job. And so... Everybody almost had the mindset of, okay, let's do
0: this for her. Yeah, that's so cool to hear. So with this year, you're right. She's back. I think they've listed her as an associate because I think there's a couple scheduling conflicts where uh, Colin's going to have the men's program still he's going to take over the women's program but you're double booked in a few spots so i think rebecca will still have a huge role but uh has coach colin met with the squad have you guys been able to meet and talk about his philosophies because uh i know trent might know him as the men's coach but man he coached a lot of uh strong women's club teams over the years so uh, i'm wondering what the the mood is with coach walker getting involved now too
1: yeah no i think everybody's really excited um he's definitely very committed which is a bit of a change um But I think everybody's looking forward to it. Um, I think him and Beck share a lot of the same ideas and kind of values of how they want to carry the team, especially being one that's not as high ranked. I think there's a lot of pushing towards just like good work ethic and making sure that everybody's in it and completely committed. Um, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Um, And I think given his history with coaching, a lot of women's teams, I'm excited to see what he can do.
0: So and with what
1: me- everybody on my team can do with that change.
0: For sure. So everyone's a year older coming in with a little bit more experience. You know what it's going to take. So uh, I am curious with an athlete like you, uh, what was your off season like? Like obviously you got to finish school and do exams and maybe get some family time, but uh, just let me and the listeners know, like, what are you doing to maybe get your downtime and take your rest and feel like a normal university student? But when do you also start to switch it on and get ready knowing that like I'm a middle in the OUA and my body's got to be ready for this fall when training camp starts?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, So I do a lot of just private training uh, with Coach Stu. I'm not sure if you've heard about him, but I work with him. um, And then obviously just working in the gym. I work as a lifeguard at Lifetime Athletics, so that definitely helps. I get a free membership there, so I work out quite a bit. And then train probably on a regular week, about like 10 to 12 hours in, in the gym, which is great. I'm getting a lot of touches and... Definitely improving on all skills, not just hitting and blocking. Like we do, we focus a lot on defense, passing, even setting. So, as a middle, who in university I don't really get much experience with that. That's a really, really positive part of of, uh, of offseason offseason
0: training. Yeah, for sure. Because he's uh, getting
1: to poke those skills.
0: Yeah. Middle being so specialized, like some people might think like, oh, you need to be with your setter in the gym because you need to work on that connection. But it's pretty exciting to hear that you want to become a better setter and you want to play defense and you want to be a better server. Like, uh, does that ever bother you a little bit where people think like, oh, I'm a middle. I only do two or three skills where you're trying to be really good at like six or seven skills, right?
1: Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, I think for me being a shorter middle, eventually I hope that there'll be opportunities where I can play, you know, either the pins or stay with middle. Um, And so I want to have those, that kind of all-rounded skill base in order to give me the opportunities and the chance to hopefully play some outside, some right side, um, and be able to just be more of an all-around player rather than just a hitter and blocker.
0: Now, again, I don't consider 5'10 short, but uh, in the OUA, there are some pretty physical athletes. Uh, Being a first-year and also being... I guess we'll say undersized in the middle. Uh, what were some tricks you did just to get more comfortable in the system? Cause obviously if you're just leaving gaps and seams everywhere, the defense is probably losing their mind. So did you pick up on really good key reading? Like, did you work on some special footwork to become like better laterally? Like what are some things that uh, maybe a, an undersized again, I hate that word using for you uh, middle can do so you can play at the university level.
1: Um, I would think for me, honestly, it had a lot to do with, my setter. Um, we worked together a lot in practices to try and learn how to run different things, even with some like out of system plays. Like we tried running, you know, gaps or slides, even when the pass wasn't perfect. And I think just kind of experimenting with all of that. Um, especially a lot of the time in games where we didn't really have much to lose. So we kind of just got to try different things and see if it worked. Like I remember one of the games against RMC, I mean, it ended up being a mistake, but Isabel bumps at something, needing for it to go to the outside. And I thought it was for me and I just went after it and we got the kill out of it. But of course it was so close to the outside. I almost landed on her. Um, and then running slides and back quicks and just really just trying to spread it out. Um, and just a lot of work on getting faster and more agile throughout the year in order to compensate for the fact that I wasn't six foot five.
0: <laughs> that, that's amazing. I'm sure some coaches are just like face palming right now, being like, you guys are bump setting middles and like transition here. Well, I think that's awesome that you have the creative freedom to try that. So, uh, yeah, middles and transition definitely become an issue. So, it, would you say going off one foot and hitting the step around or the slide, that that's something you learned in club or that's something like you constantly have to work on even as a university athlete, because it's just, it's so situational, but it's its definitely valuable if you can get that connection with your setter, right?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. No, I definitely, I did learn it in club. Um, my assistant coach at Halton definitely worked a lot with the middles. He was very technical with us. And so that helps to kind of create my base knowledge of those kind of awkward movements um and then luckily we got to practice it our coach pretty much let us decide a lot of the time in our gameplay drills what we'd run um and so just getting that kind of experience with isabel who is a fantastic setter as i've mentioned before um and just being very open about what we want to do what we want to change how we can kind of get around a lot of the, the difficult situations that you face in a game especially being a shorter player
0: Yeah, I think sometimes coaches might overlook that setter-middle relationship. And when we had Brie King on the show, she really opened my eyes to this, where sometimes... You're so eager to be helpful that like the middle changes something and the setter changes something and there's still like a disconnect. So one thing she mentioned when she was like a young player with the national team is somebody's gotta own it and somebody's gotta be clear where like if maybe if you feel like that was a good set, you have to change it and let your setter know that like don't change anything, right? So how have you guys worked on that relationship where it's not like, oh, I can go faster or you need to go to this? Like sometimes you just need to tell the other person what to do or to do the exact same thing, right? So how do you get to the the truth, I guess, so quickly with your setter so you're not constantly fumbling or thinking that it was your fault
1: honestly that's one thing that you Nina know, is didn't really struggle with um, from the get-go we kind of just like even from our first open tryouts that we went to I was like hey let's run this let's do this um, it's never really been a case where either of us are, are concerned about hurting each other's feelings um, it's always just I'm gonna try this let's do it in practice and if it works sweet if not Sometimes I would need her to tell me what to do, but she's also very willing to say, oh, yeah, no, that was my fault. You were in the right spot. It really wasn't an issue for us, um, which was super nice, just considering that that can be a bit of a difficult thing to get down, um, is establishing that kind of relationship and being okay with being criticized, which is something that neither of us have really struggled with.
0: And uh, again, just looking ahead to next year, which is super exciting, uh, there's no real right way to do it, but I just thought your schedule was a little wonky. Where I think you guys only play like six matches in the first semester, and that means you probably have like a dozen in the second semester. So, uh, how is an athlete do you plan on building? Like, it feels like it's a late start, November 10th. You guys must get the first weekend off because I feel like everyone else would be starting around. Halloween but anyways looking at the strength of schedule because there are no easy games in the OUA this year even though a bunch of people have graduated but looking at the volume it looks like you're going to play every weekend from January to the end of the season like uh, how do you prep for that not only as an athlete and trying to stay healthy but also making sure that you're you know caught up on your grades and ready for midterms and exams
1: yeah that was one thing like coming in from high school that I did struggle with this first semester was academically felt so much easier than second just because I think of the Lower load of games. Um, and so I think, honestly, for me, I've always struggled with time management. And so I think it's super important, especially as a first year, to sometimes have to, you know, learn to deal with that. And then just trying a bunch of different things to figure out how you study best. And I know that's what worked for me is sometimes just being okay with the fact that you're going to struggle a bit, especially in your first year. Um, and the second semester being so loaded with games and a lot of traveling. Like last year, all of our away games were not close. They were far. Our first game was to Windsor. We went up to Lakehead, to Nipissing, uh, RMC. I I'm missing any. I don't think so. Western as well. So all of our games were far away. And I think just learning how to prioritize your time and understanding that, you know, as a student athlete, there's going to be a lot of things that you will have to sacrifice and free time. Is not always spent how you want it to be spent.
0: So, and, and any strategies you can think of? Because I think everyone always thinks, I'll just do it on the bus. But man, there's so many distractions, and, you know, somebody's playing music or somebody wants to watch a movie, like, and, and, maybe as a rookie, you probably didn't even get your own seat. Like, I think that's easier said than done where I I could never see that being successful for a lot of athletes, but I'm wondering, was that something you were able to crack the code on Or, or are you an early riser? Do you stay up late? Like, how do you find time to, to get this all in?
1: No. So, uh, the bus thing is completely true. I said, Oh yeah, I'll bring my computer. I'll do work on the bus. I not one time ever did any work on the bus. You're always just chatting with your friends or, you know, sitting by yourself and listening to music, doing your own thing. Um, I never once did any work on the bus. I would say definitely the most important thing for me was during the year, trying to figure out a schedule that worked for me. And that's one thing that I really enjoyed is being home for the summer is getting to figure that out on my own time. So now I've definitely started getting up earlier because I find that that works best for me. And you have to understand, obviously, you can't no one's going to be able to tell you what schedule works best for you and what that what that looks like it's something that in my experience i just had to kind of struggle through and figure it out on my own
0: yeah that's so cool to hear because uh being a varsity athlete, like I, I think you got to figure it out on your own, but some listeners might be saying, well, both your parents are teachers just figure it out. They probably gave you a schedule where it, it's cool that you had like the autonomy and the freedom to kind of maybe stumble a little bit and figure out what works for you because it is a new experience, right? Where if somebody's just giving you a schedule, I don't feel like that's a recipe for success that you have to figure out what's going to work for you. Right.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of the time, honestly, especially your first year of university is very much. coded, And, and something people don't talk about enough. Like, people don't talk enough about the mental side of it, especially as an athlete. Um, but just with the stress of school, it's so much different than high school and learning. I mean, I was in an apartment style, so I also had to learn, not learn, but figure out how to live on my own. Essentially. Um, you have to balance so many things that in high school, you don't really have to concern yourself with. Um, but yeah, the fact that university is so glorified and it's a great time, but it's, it's a lot of work and it's difficult sometimes. Um, having to figure that out and fail at some things in order to figure out what works best for you and how to succeed in your own way.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So really looking forward to next year to see what the the squad can do and everybody keep developing. Uh, when we had Charlie on the show, he mentioned, you know, the, the wins weren't coming but he thought the crowd was pretty good uh i don't think he was a big fan of the pack the shack slogan maybe he was a big fan anyways uh what was your your thoughts on the community because i think the the volleyball community in peterborough is growing and it's good to see like club kids come out and other people really support the team so uh what's what's the feeling around the team like uh are you guys pretty involved in the community is is it good to get a crowd like i think you guys are are big on the saturday afternoon games that probably helps get a crowd out right
1: Absolutely. That was one of the things that, of course, I was really surprised about is our gym. I mean, the term pack the shack is true for a reason. Trent is an old gym. It feels more like a high school environment. I can't lie. Everybody in the OUA, that is a known fact. Trent is a gym to play in, that's for sure. Um, But uh, it's funny. I remember the game against Guelph. So I'm friends with both Johnny and Danny Pickett. I'm sure you probably know exactly who they are. Um, I coached a bit with them up in Wyrton with Momentum and Michael Amoroso. Um, So I got to meet them and talking with them, they said that that was probably one of the most fun gyms to play in. A little bit scary because it gets so loud. It's all concrete. It's a small environment. You get like hundreds of students in the air. The rugby guys go crazy. Um, Everybody just goes nuts for like when the guys won their first set against Guelph, that was probably the loudest the gym has been the whole season. And it was so much fun because it's just a very rowdy tight, packed environment to play in. Um, So home games were definitely a lot of fun.
0: And does varsity kind of return the favor? Cause you mentioned rugby's there, maybe lacrosse is there. Like, do you guys make a point to get out and support them? Because uh, I feel like if you get out in the fall, they're probably going to like support you. Cause I think, Certain people do commute to Trent, but I feel like a lot of people live on campus, right? So if you can make it like a fun thing to do on, on an off day, on a weekend, I, I feel like you're going to get the student athletes out there to support you, right?
1: For sure. Yeah, no, um, we, I remember at least me and my friend group in a lot of the first years, we went to some of the soccer games. I watched some rugby, obviously the Begataway Cup uh, for lacrosse was nuts. That was so cool to see. Um, yeah, rowing at our homecoming uh, is super, super fun. To watch, it's such a unique sport, um, but yeah, definitely trying to get that kind of exposure of like, hey, we'll come watch yours, come to ours. Um, we also did like for our whiteout game, we did flyers everywhere. We just handed them out to random people as they passed by, and ended up being successful. We had tons of people; the gym was full. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's definitely nice to connect with some of the students on other teams. Um, it just creates that sense
0: of camaraderie and it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause uh, I did have it in my notes to ask about coaching where, uh, I think you've been involved with Madawaska. You're, you're doing things with momentum. So when you do get free time or some off time, uh, why has it just been important for you to get in the gym and kind of get back and work with some kids?
1: Yeah, no. So um in june i luckily got to well i've known michael Amoroso for a long time um, i ended up meeting him at Madawaska, planning to try out for his team that ended up not working out but uh just creating i went up introduced myself at Matawaska on the porch and uh and then i ran into him at provincials when i went to watch um, some of my old teammates and friends and he said hey are you interested in coaching i said yeah absolutely and so it ended up working out where i went um to Wyrton a few times. So that was a really neat experience because I'd never been in that area in Ontario. And uh, yeah, I got to coach on both a reserve um, of like an indigenous reserve and then also just at the local high school in uh, in Wyrton. So getting that kind of exposure to volleyball that's not super competitive it's not competitive it's not the classic gta premiere mindset it's very much just people like ordinary people who enjoy playing the game which i also love because that's kind of the environment that i grew up in i didn't grow up in a super crazy competitive um i guess like halted mindset i just grew up because it was a fun game to play when I was younger. And I still kind of have that mindset. I don't really take it that seriously. I just do it because I enjoy it. And it gives a lot of purpose to my university and my, my life. It's a huge part of it, but it's not everything. So it's fun to get to see people who genuinely just do it because they love it.
0: Yeah, that, that's so cool to hear. So it, it was nice to hear about your career and everything you got to go on the go with Trent and touch on your coaching there. But uh, I was hoping to give us one more story before we let you go just something funny or unique that's happened. So uh, obviously, you played at the highest level in the club and you're now a youth sports athlete, but uh, something odd or funny must have happened along the way. I was hoping you could just share one more story before we let you go.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so this one didn't actually happen in like youth sports or in the OVA. It actually did happen in Wireton So Obviously, meeting um, Michael and then Johnny and Danny got to stay at their house. And then, so this one weekend, uh, I don't know if you know Stephanie Merkai and Natalie Lefebvre. I they both are very good players on York.
0: York, yes, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So we went up and we were all coaching that weekend, and it was late at night after our session, our day was done. We were driving off of the reserve. And so it was myself, Stephanie and Natalie in the car I was driving and we're driving. It's a long gravel road. We've got the three of us just on and I start feeling my wheel not having any control. I'm like, What's going on? We start hearing this metal scraping noise. Oh my God, what is going on? Natalie's trying to console me and she's like, okay, it's probably fine. Maybe there's a fire because we started smelling rubber and burning stuff. Oh my God, there's something, the car's going to blow up. Like what is wrong? So I pull over eventually after probably about a minute or so of this. So like going about 30 kilometers an hour and not having any idea. We get out of the car. I hear Natalie just gasped and I walk around and my tire is completely shredded. Like there is no rubber left. There's nothing left. The rim is sitting on the ground. Like there is nothing Absolutely nothing. And we're in the middle of the reserve. So we're middle of nowhere, like at least 30 kilometers away from Weirton. Like we are far, it's getting dark. We're up North. There's like wildlife out. The mosquitoes are terrible. Um, And so we ended up having to call both Johnny, Danny, and then also Matt, their dad, and they drove back and we're fixing my car which I, I, I drove like three hours to get there. I had to be home for work the next day. It was just, oh my God, how did this happen? But yeah, so, and of course my spare tire had a lock on it, so we couldn't even access that. Um, but luckily being in Wyerton, it was a really small community. And so they all got a tow truck and everything was able to get fixed. But definitely that was an interesting experience that probably wouldn't have happened to me had I not been coaching in Wyarton. Um, that was probably, obviously there's lots of other stories that have happened over the years, but I think that's probably a good one for a story that doesn't need any much more explanation of any jokes or anything, so
0: definitely definitely and as somebody who grew up in a really small town i i was a little culture shock when i got to move to the city so it's nice to see like when city people go back to like rural ontario that you guys feel a similar culture shock but uh, no it doesn't surprise me at all i got to work with johnny at fisa games and his father matt was there it doesn't surprise me at all that any time of day or night he would come support like, just like a, a great family so uh yeah, oh, yeah scary in the moment but i'm glad it worked out and as soon as you mentioned the pickett family i was like for sure they were going to find a way to get you home
1: yeah No, it was uh, definitely the luckiest place to be in such a bad situation. So,
0: Well, Liz, this has been so much fun. Thank you for uh, coming on the show and sharing all that you did.
1: Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. This was really great.